You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. A game, a tale of two halves and two Frenchmen, Kylian Mbappé, put on a show at the Bernabeu. But Real Madrid, and most importantly, Kareem Benzema, always seems to find a way. I'm here with James Benjamin. Jonathan Johnson <laughs> yes. later on and Jimmy Conrad to analyze all the drama. By the way, this is our 500th podcast YouTube show. Woo-hoo! Wow. The Diego Lasso Champions League recap begins right now. Welcome to Kegel Lasso. Where are you watching this from? Who are you rooting for today? Get in the live chat and fire off of your questions. If you're a PSG fan, I want to hear from you. Is Pochettino done? Are you just basically completely want to burn it all down? I want your comments, your hot takes. Jimmy Conrad and James want to answer all your questions as well as Jonathan Johnson. I don't even know where he is. We're thinking that maybe he's just like, <laughs> he's gone up all the way at the Eiffel Tower and he's just, he's done. He's done with everything. But we also want to know about your takes from today. What a game. Oh, and there was another one, I think, that Scott Carson uh, played in. But uh, Jimmy Conrad, how are you, buddy? I'm speechless in some capacity because PSG gave that away. They were in complete control of that game. Madrid were all over the place, and they got kind of casual. They tried to play out of every single situation, even if they were inches away from their own goal, and it cost them. And and uh, when you play up against a team like Real Madrid who have – an incredible history and pedigree of winning this competition, whereas PSG does not. They know how to get results, even if they don't play well, and they demonstrated that yet again. Benjamin, uh, that's, uh, by the way, created by Jimmy Conrad. Benjamin, how are you, buddy? I should be so lucky to share my name with Kareem. Uh, Yeah, my brain is just soup right now. Um, I haven't been this shocked by a, a Champions League tie since um well since the last time psg did this it's becoming quite a thing right now isn't it um you know wow this was just uh, we we, sort of we've all none of us have even mentioned how Kylian mbappe just delivered one of the all-time great champions league performances and it carried for absolutely nothing (laughs) yeah it meant nothing it was uh benza montada that's exactly uh what it was in this game i think i've stolen that from somebody uh, Nick Miller from The Athletic. I'm sorry about that. James Bench told me to just steal it, but it's it's so good. You got to credit it. Uh, it's so good. It, it really is uh, amazing. So, you know, just playing James Bench in case uh, I didn't buy you and, and pay for the credit for that one. But hey, welcome, everybody. Champions League Wednesday recap show. Yes, there was a Man City sporting game. We'll talk about that at some point when we all like, uh, you know, are completely done with really the headliner of today, which was Real Madrid. Incredible incredible two nothing down in total aggregate at halftime and then Karim Benzema uh, and Los Blancos and historical pedigree Jimmy Conrad I really feel is is, is something worthy of mention right uh, PSG you know individual talent and you get sparks of brilliance from all over the pitch but there is something to be said about the most successful team in this competition that you can't you can't really replicate it but talk to me let's begin 
with that first half, you know, because obviously PSG did look good and you thought, wow, Kylian Mbappé, to James Menge's point, were doing their thing. What, what I want to say about the first half, the first 10, 15 minutes, oh, injected straight into my veins. It was just <laughs> fantastic on both sides. And I really thought that Madrid came out with the right emphasis. We talked about it in the preview show that they lacked any kind of, they were a little passive in leg one, right? They didn't have that aggressiveness that was needed to go get a result away in leg one. And I thought that Carlo Ancelotti was publicly criticized if, rightly by his by his board because they just were listless and didn't have a lot of that oomph. And that that right from the get-go, very similar to Madrid against Salzburg yesterday, they came out and were ready to play. The problem is that PSG were so good in transition, they're devastating in transition that if you even if you apply in the right pressure, they have world-class players that know how to play out of tight spots. Their recognition of when to go and when to stay and when to support to go check back to it or when to go up and over is ridiculous. And that led to the goal that Kylian Mbappe scored. And they were unlucky not to score more during that time. And it just felt like Madrid were hanging on for everything that they – I mean, they were so – as a if I was a Madrid fan watching that game, and you, I mean, even if I – you know, even though I'm wearing a Madrid jersey, I'm not a Madridista per se, but you could tell they were hoping, just, just blow the halftime whistle, please, we're struggling here. And then at some point we can address some things. And I actually think the subs maybe helped uh, Madrid in a, in, a, in a really important way when Rodrigo and Camavinga came on for Asensio and Cruz. Not to say that ultimately changed everything, but once those subs happened, 20 minutes later, they were up 3-1 to one in this game. I mean, curiously, I thought this was kind of a great advert for how Ancelotti had played the first leg. Now, obviously, the Mbappe goal late in that first leg kind of spoiled things. But if you look at the kind of the expanse of 90 minutes, it certainly showed... One thing Madrid could not do was let PSG get anywhere near their transition game because, as Jimmy said, it was devastating. You know, I, I think part of that is this is how PSG love playing. Give them broken pitch, they're great. But also, and we can't forget this in the sort of rush to, you know, Luis rightly praises their mentality and we saw all that with Modric and Benzema. But we need to remember when they come to draw a quarterfinal team that Danny Carvajal is too slow. You know, there are Nacho Fernandez. Obviously, if he's playing at left back, he's not a left back. You know, there are real holes in this defense that that PSG have exploited and that other teams will be able to exploit. I thought in that first half, whenever they had the ball, they were slow. They looked mm-hmm. it, five years ago, they were, were passing the ball around Modric and Cruz because, you know, it was putting the stranglehold on the opposition, it was grinding them down. I felt like for a lot of that first half, Modric, Cruz, Alaba, they were all knocking the ball around, but they were looking for an idea. They were like, mm-hmm. what are we doing here with our possession? And, you know, we'll come to talk about the, the second half, but I think we do have to sort of, like, remember for a lot of this tie, Madrid looked like an eminently beatable team, and I think in the end it wasn't so much that Real Madrid beat PSG as, as PSG beat themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, well said there. Obviously, Ferland Mendy not being there is a major issue. Casemiro not being there. I was a little worried about how Luka Modric was going to do. We're going to talk about the second half in a minute. Noah, oh, I'm sorry, Des just took it away. But some really good comments from everybody. Please keep them coming, especially about Real Madrid. I, I read one about Kareem Benzema, who some respect on his name. It's really weird, actually, the Kareem Benzema conversation. We're going to get into the second half in a minute. But I want to welcome, I feel like this is <laughs> the worst <laughs> Do we have any sad time. music? Do we have any I sad know, music? I know, I Jonathan, Jonathan. <laughs> Look at that face. <laughs> so sad. Are you on your fifth tequila? Like, what's going on? going on buddy how are you how are you feeling by the way 
Hey there, guys. Good to be with you. Um, to be honest, I wish I had some tequila in the house. Uh, unfortunately, all the alcohol in the cupboard is probably a little less hardcore. So uh, it's going to take take me a while to work through the uh, through the old cabinet tonight. So uh, JJ, thank you for being here. We've we've been we're basically uh, you know dissecting the game, and but we're beginning obviously with the first half as uh, they ended. And there's a comment from Noah that he probably third favors behind City and Liverpool. We'll talk about those rankings. Uh, Benjamin uh, shaking his head. We'll talk about those rankings at the end of the show. But Jonathan Johnson, uh, first of all, let's talk about our first half because PSG did look good and they did enter the break with a, a nice little 2 nothing cushion. How, how did you feel from a PSG perspective in those first 45 minutes? I, mean, I think it worked itself out for them in the end. I didn't think they started as well as they would have hoped. Uh, you know, obviously Donnarumma was called into action very early on. Uh, but ultimately, by the time they got to halftime, you know, I think uh, Pochettino and the players will have felt, you know, happy with, uh, with the way things had gone. Uh, and even sort of in the first 10, 15 20 minutes of that uh, second half, they would have been largely happy with it. I mean, obviously frustrated with uh, both of the Mbappe goals being called off. Uh, but, you know, to be honest, it looked like if anyone was going to score that second goal on the night, it was going to be PSG uh, until Donnarumma intervened, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, a massive howler, uh, as is, uh, you know, quite traditional really for, for PSG goalkeepers in uh, big matches. Uh, we've seen it happen in Madrid in the past with Kevin Trapp, uh, Alfonso Arriola as well. Uh, you know, and Donnarumma now adds his name to that uh, ignominious list. But like I did say in the in the build up to the match, you know, it was going to be a big call if Pochettino went with Keylor Navas and Donnarumma. I suggested it would be better to go with Navas because of its experience in these games. Let's not forget this was Donnarumma's debut campaign in the Champions League. Uh, and also, you know, the fact that he was playing, he would have been playing against his uh, former club. And I think... Uh, you know, you cannot underestimate the importance of experience in those kind of games because Donnarumma and then the PSG players collectively just lost the plot, as we've seen happen so many times uh, in the past, and they paid the price for it, gone out, the season is over. Yeah, JJ, I've got a lot of questions for you as our resident PSG expert. I guess one is Pochettino's future, and I know we're going to get into the second what, half. What, 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 there, what future? There you go. There you go. So Manchester <laughs> United fans are super excited at the moment. But but, but secondly, do you do you? I don't know. Maybe they aren't. But but I just this emphasis of them trying to play out of every single situation ultimately got them in a ton of trouble. And as the game went on, and they gave up more and more of those opportunities, and Madrid started to get more and more confidence. I mean, do you think that's a Pochettino thing? Or at some point, as a player, don't you recognize? I just, I just got to lump it forward. I mean, I know how I feel in that situation. It's okay to break the lines and just go lump it forward to get out of that press. But they seem to continue to invite the press and had a little bit—I don't say arrogance, but close to it—of trying to play out of everything because we have the players that can do it. But if the pressure is 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 put on correctly, even world-class players are going to cough up the ball. You know what? I I don't nest. I mean, uh, I think some responsibility does have to lie with the players because at the end of the day, they execute the manager's tactics. But I don't think that Pochettino, in his time with PSG, has ever really showed himself to be a manager who has different, you know, plans. You know, people will say, okay, but you know, he can't really tinker tactically with PSG given you know the the big names that he has to accommodate and has to keep in the team pretty much at all times. But you know, I think as well, you know, when you're somebody somebody like Pochettino, you know, who who, who came in at, to, to PSG at such fanfare being, you know, former player, former captain, uh, you know, and the expectation was so high and 
everything that the PSG fans had kind of hoped to see, you know, everything that was positive from his time uh, as Spurs boss, uh, you know, they haven't really seen. And I don't know whether that's because Pochettino has just been unable to adapt to the fact that he wasn't coaching Spurs anymore. Either that or the fact that he's just not somebody who has a lot of uh, sort of tactical flexibility. Uh, but, you know, Yes, of course, Pochettino does have to take, you know, a fair amount of the blame, but so do some of the players. I mean, you know, you cannot uh, excuse players like Neymar and Messi from going missing. I know that Neymar provided the assist for Mbappe, but what else did he do during the game? He was an absolute passenger, as yeah. he has been so often uh, at this level. And it's it's not acceptable given the money that PSG have invested into him. Uh, you know, and Messi looks every bit uh, you know, the the player who was once a seven-time Ballon d'Or winner, you know, his his time with PSG hasn't been productive so far. You know, he's been shown up game in, game out in Ligue 1 for the most part, uh, you know, and his saving grace has been these Champions League performances. And we've barely seen anything from him over those two legs against Real Madrid, uh, you know, and, and it's not enough to, to encourage you to want to see more of that next season if you're PSG. So I think that, you know, there has to be a lot of collective blame sharing, uh, you know, but none of it, you know, really leads to a positive conclusion because I don't think that PSG should be continuing Pochettino. I don't think they should be continuing with a lot of the players in that squad. And I don't think, crucially, that Mbappe will really fancy continuing with that either. Yeah, well, that's another good point that uh, a story yet to be told. We have a nice little call to action here. Thank you, everybody, for the comments. Uh, PSG's uh, five-year plan so far still not working out. They still are without a Champions League uh, title, which is kind of incredible after all these years and all that money they've invested, of course. All right, well, who's to blame for PSG? Everybody crashing out. We'd love to get your comments. Who is to blame? Is it Pochettino? Is it the ownership? Is it the, you know, Miss Unbalanced Squad? Messi? Who is it? Who is to blame for PSG? James Bench, chime in. Well, I mean, I, I can tell you, I don't think it's to blame. Right? <laughs> well, actually, I, I tell you, I, I think to me, it's pretty clear that this is an issue of the culture at PSG because change the players, this keeps happening. Change the manager, this keeps happening. Mm. You know, I mean, let, let's take, you know, for example, the managers. We've seen Thomas Tuchel kind of hounded out of PSG, I think it has to be said, having taken them to the Champions League final. And there were lots of complaints about his politicking and, you know, his his attitude in press conferences. Um but then he goes and wins the Champions League straight after. I mean, similar complaints beforehand about Unai Emery, who I know didn't pull up great trees at Arsenal, but clearly has proven himself to be a capable manager at Villarreal. And Mauricio Pochettino, similarly, you know, that th there's nothing in his track record that suggests he can't get his teams to do what they want. I mean, if this keeps happening time and time again, you do have to kind of look at the way in which the organization runs and the organization exists because, you know, it wasn't Mbappe and Neymar and Messi, you know, back in the remontada five years ago, but it, it was a very familiar feeling, wasn't it? That PSG weren't battle tested, that they gave up quite easily, that they didn't believe in themselves and didn't really have much confidence. And, you know, I think we all, none of us like talking about these nebulous ideas like culture because you can't nail it down. So you can't fix it. Yeah, But clearly, if you've tried everything else, if you've imported serial winners, if you've imported the best coaches, I think you do kind of have to look a bit deeper and say, are we run in the way that an elite organization should be if our aim is to win the Champions League? Yeah, that's a great point. I don't know how much I can add to that, and especially from a big picture perspective. And, and I think the ownership needs to be taken a look at as well. Are they... It sounds like they're providing everything. I know JJ can probably give us a lot more insight on on that. 
When I think about the game itself, though, it's just some in-game management that kind of frustrated me. They, even though they were down 3-2, it felt like they were down 3-0 at that point. They, like, it, it, there wasn't seem like you have Neymar, you have Messi, you have Mbappe. They're all on the field. Can, can you guys not generate a meaningful attempt after that, even though you know Madrid's going to sit back? They had plenty of – I just couldn't believe the response to this situation. It was more like they put their heads down and were like Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh than, oh, it's me, here we go again, everything's the worst, than, than actually like picking themselves up and getting back after it. Yeah, it sucks that you got stung a little bit, but pick your shit up and go go and try to go forward. They created enough opportunities. Messi had that one chance. He kind of flicked over Courtois, and, and, and Mbappe was very close to scoring – you know, a couple other goals, just being, a, you know, a little bit offside on a couple of things. I mean, they they were in positions to make something happen. And the fact that they just kind of uh, kind of gave up at the end was pretty disappointing. And I think that speaks to everybody in some ways, you know, maybe a reflection of the ownership and then obviously the management and then and then the players as well. Yeah, nothing screams desperation quite like throwing Julian Draxler on for a three-minute cameo <laughs> right at the end of a really important Champions League game. Uh, James, James raised a, a really good point earlier about the, the the management, the leadership, the way that PSG are run. You know, there's been a lot of criticism of Leonardo, uh, you know, since his return in, in 2019. Uh, his role in the departures of certain key players. Uh, his relationships, uh, you know, never positive uh, with, with any of the coaches. We've mentioned Tuchel, uh, Pochettino as well, you know, both have had to suffer quite prickly uh, relationships with him. Yet, you know, this was a guy who was basically brought in to sort of take on pres presidential responsibility while Nasser Al-Halafi was, uh, was indisposed. So, you know, I think that a lot of the responsibility will have to fall on his shoulders. There's already been suggestions that PSG are potentially looking into replacements for him as well as Pochettino. You know, there's been shouts of a, of a duo of uh, Zinedine Zidane and Arsene Wenger. We'll see if, you know, something like that comes to fruition. But the other thing that I will say is there were some really unexpected poor performances on the pitch tonight. None more so than Marquinhos, who I thought looked an absolute shadow of himself. For somebody who's usually so sure of himself uh, in the defense, you know, when you're captain is putting in a performance like that, which I thought was pretty ropey. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't really inspire you with confidence. And that's not to lump all of the blame on him. You know, there's no legislating for a mistake like, like Donna Rumors at this level. Uh, you know, but there there were too many passengers in that uh, in that team. You know, I know that some people rave about Leandro Paredes. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I don't get it. But, you know, I feel like talking yourself into a booking within the first 10 minutes, knowing that you're going to be suspended if PSG get through or in next season's Champions League opener. <laughs> uh, and it's really, I just feel that some of the decisions that Pochettino made were uh, a, a bit baffling. I mean, I think if you put Idrissa Gay in for Paredes from the start and you put Kedo Navas in goal, you know, I... I I would feel more comfortable about PSG, certainly going into that scenario once they concede that goal. You know, if I don't know, maybe Navas would would drop a howler as well. But I, I just think collectively the mentality, you know, it wasn't there. And to be honest, the warning signs have been there for months now. You look at some of the results PSG have suffered domestically, you know, going away and losing 3-1 to Nantes. The disinterest from a lot of those players has been there for so long. Uh, you know, and I think that this is really going to be the straw that breaks the donkey's back uh, with Mbappe deciding that he's not going to be able to win what he wants to win uh, as a player, uh, you know, and, and as part of a team uh, with this PSG side because they're just going to fall apart at the moment that they really need to come together.
We're getting more viewers, uh, more audiences. It's growing and growing. Everybody wants to chime in on PSG and Real Madrid. Thank you so much for joining us. Que Lasso, uh, Wednesday Champions League recap with Jonathan Johnson, Jimmy Conrad, James Bench. We have a few call to actions. Uh, first of all, I want to know from you right now, Mauricio Pochettino, is he done? Is he done? And if so, is he done before the end of the season? Number two, if he is done, what do you do to fix this? Who comes in? Sedan, Wenger, etc., etc. And the other call to action I have for you, Kylian Mbappé. Does this basically seal his move to Real Madrid? Does he want a bit of what he just saw tonight, of course? So all those calls to action. Thank you so much for being part of the family. Ola, thank you so much for your comment. Mauricio Pochettino, you can take the man out of Tottenham, but you can't take Tottenham out of the man. <laughs> nice little comment nice there. James up. Bench, I know you had a little comment, Benjamin. What do you got? Yeah, I have one one final plea for our viewers, for these influential figures in the world of PSG and football and beyond that have joined me on this podcast. And I beg of you, there was one Kylian Mbappe goal tonight. You can choose to remember it however you wish. I will be choosing to remember that the Kylian Mbappe goal was the one where actually he was flagged offside, but executed that world-ending, career-ending dummy on Thibaut Courtois. That could be, we could all, as a universe, we could all just pretend that was the Mbappe goal. So why don't we? Yeah. (laughs) One thing, really quick, that I think we need to bring up, and something we actually didn't discuss in the pregame show, is that away from home in the Champions League, in the group stages as well, PSG never won. They went to Club Brugge, drew 1-1, RB Leipzig 2-2 in Germany, and then they lost in Manchester 2-1. And now they lost again here. I mean, there's just something about like finishing off a game when they have the opportunities. They just didn't show away from home. Yeah. But funnily, funnily enough, they were stronger on the road in uh, the first couple of months of Pochettino's time in charge. We saw them go and win at Bayern. We saw them go and win at Barca. It just, it just feels like it never really got going for them this season in the Champions League. I mean, yeah, we saw them beat City at home, uh, you know, but City did pretty much everything but score in that game as well. Exactly. So it's, uh, you know, it just feels like one big exercise in uh, wasted time. This uh, PSG Champions League campaign. Yeah, there's a psychological thing that you can see just everywhere. I mean, listen, Donnarumma's mistake, I think, set the president for what was to come. Everybody in the PSG lineup was just like, ah, oh, here we go again. Kaylor Navas is probably like staring, death staring Pochettino on the bench. There was just there's such a psychological aspect to it. All right, we've talked about PSG a lot and rightly so, but I we do need to tip our hats to Real Madrid, who really just, and Kareem Benzema, I mean, I mean, I have a call to action already straight up. Uh, I mean, Jimmy, I mean, you, you, you brought it up first. Why don't you, why don't you ask the, the, the fans and everybody specifically now about Kareem Benzema, now Real Madrid's third all-time scorer. I mean, unbelievable. What's the call to action, buddy? My call to action is something that I was thinking about previous to us coming on, being on camera Who's the better number nine in the world right now? Is it Kareem Benzema? Is it Robert Lewandowski? That's my question to everybody watching or listening. Hit us up on Kegelasso Pod on Twitter if you want to hit us up later for this. Or I guess another way to look at it is who would you build your team around? Would it be Benzema? Would it be Lewandowski? Mm. This is a tough conversation because both of these guys are playing at a very, very high level at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great one. So let us know. What do you think about uh, Kareem Benzema? So James Benjamin, jump on to you right now. Let's talk Real Madrid. Uh, because uh, I think historical pedigree really proves a point here. You know, just being the most successful team in this competition can sometimes help, I guess. But, I mean, a reminder, everybody, Mendy was not playing in this game, right? There could have been more exploitation there. Casemiro, Casemiro, who really controls so much in that midfield, wasn't playing in that game. How, I mean, I know it's Karim Benzema, 
But how did they do this in the second half, buddy? Well, I mean, you you want me to talk about Real Madrid? I still want to talk about Kylian Mbappe's dummy, but apparently <laughs> yeah. we're not allowed to do that. Um, but I mean, I you know, it's I, I think in the end it's about sort of the battle worn veteran sense for when a team is there to be taken. So because you, mm. you can't just sort of take PSG out of the equation of why Real Madrid did so well and why Real Madrid won. Because you could just see that, you know, the minute Donnarumma made that mistake and PSG were pretty comfortable before that, was that they just they smelled blood in the water and they were they were devastating. And you know, it was like they all lost they all they they all went on 10 years younger in a moment. And Luka Modric, who, you know, being shouted out in our comments here as well, it was like seeing the Modric who just arrived at Real Madrid, dynamism, winning the ball back in his own area. And then, mm. you know, 10 seconds later, he's popping up to play the killer pass. Without so, the right. luxury of Casemiro supporting him in the midfield as well, I thought was really impressive. Sorry to interrupt, Bench. That, that, that's exactly it. Yeah, keep going, buddy. Sorry. Well, yeah. And I think credit to Ancelotti for, for dealing with that quite well by dropping Modric and, and Cruz deeper and basically using Valverde like a sort of pressing, pressing attacking midfielder. I thought he did yeah. that really nicely but you know i think we naturally as as the sort of great names of the tri- the the three time champions league winners of, of earlier this you know at five so, five or so years ago as they drift away we sort of think and i'm certainly been guilty of thinking that that maybe that killer instinct has gone but but players like modric like benzema they know the rhythms of a of a european tie they know when to to sit deep and and hold out and i think that that's maybe is why they were so cautious in that first leg because I think they always kind of viewed it as let's stay in this tie and let's trust our experience in the final 15, 20 minutes, if that's what it comes down to. Let's trust that in that scenario, we know what is required. And I thought I thought they managed everything about this tie expertly, not least the way they kept, you know, they kept on the attack. They didn't let this go to extra time. They made sure that they won it in normal time. And then tightened up i mean for a team that, that for you know we've, there's been a lot of talk about away goals and i thought they managed that side of it perfectly as well and and great you know again being flagged up in the comments great introductions off the bench camavinga brought energy brought dynamism rodrigo was not afraid to take a shot it was all about suddenly adding a bit of pace and energy to go with that veteran know-how i thought they judged the tie perfectly go ahead jj yeah, I mean, I think- you buddy no, I mean, I think uh, in, in many ways, uh, you know, I think that the last half an hour of the game, Real deserve immense credit for the performance that they managed to pull out. You know, so many players, uh, you know, managed to roll back the years. Uh, you know, I think Ancelotti, you know, he's seen, been there, done that, uh, you know, and, and really, you know, made the right decisions at the right moments as well. Um, but it, it's it seems like a really weird thing to say because as much as, you know, it was a really impressive turnaround for Real and they will be delighted, uh, you know, to 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 have gotten this result, I still wouldn't place them up there as favourites for the Champions League. I think that Benzema papers over a lot of cracks in this team. I still think that there are far too many uh, ageing players there. They're going to be too leggy. I mean, yeah, sure, maybe they get through the quarterfinals. I don't see them going any further than the semis, really. Uh, You know, because really, I still see this team as, as, as one that really PSG should uh you know have, have kept in the bag once they had them there uh like james said you know it's almost kind of it's impossible to talk about real's victory without talking about psg's defeat because you know it really was that self-inflicted but you know it was great to see uh you know the you know real star players you know for that short period of time you know really rolling back the years showing us 
the best of what they can do. You know, to see Benzema, as, you know, he's such a complete player. I mean, uh, you know, Jimmy's question earlier was, you know, who would you rather build your team around, Benzema or Lewandowski? For me, it's Benzema. Benzema is, you know, arguably the most complete forward uh, in the game because he's not only a taker of goals, he creates them as well. He's yeah. a phenomenal talent, brilliant technique. Uh, you know, and Lewandowski, although he is arguably, uh, you know, the sharper in front of goal, more predatory, you know, he doesn't bring other players into the game in the same way that Benzema does and, you know, is is not capable of laying them on as much. I know he got an assist in the game against uh, uh, Salzburg the other day, but who didn't? Uh, it was, you know, re really for me, you know, Benzema makes all the difference for this Real side right now. And if they can squeeze another season or two out of him, uh, you know, him returning to the French national team is, uh, you know, is, is a big deal as well over here in France. He's, he's just, you know, he really is different gravy for want of a better phrase. Yeah, I would say that uh, I like the Benzema over Lewandowski. I think you can make a really strong case for either one, I guess, depending on who he's surrounded by and what the formation is, the coach, blah, blah, blah. But, but both of them are excellent. With regard to this game in particular, what I noticed when, when the sub got made, when Camavinga came on and Rodrigo came on, Asensio not really being that connected, not really holding on to the ball, not being... Uh, effective really uh, consistently throughout that game. And what I saw in the first half was there, it would be Vinicius kind of trying to do 1v1 stuff. Benzema trying to get on the end of things. He had a bunch of headers today, nothing really too dangerous. Asensio, nothing really felt connected. And then there was a big gap. And I think maybe because Cruz was sitting somewhat more in the Casemiro role, which I thought it was a bit of a surprise. I thought Val Valverde was going to do that. But they had him a little bit higher, as Ben noted, to make him because he's got more energy, he can press, got younger legs. But when Cruz came out, because I don't think he was 100%, and Camavinga came in, that made a big difference. But if you remember, on TV, Camavinga comes on, he runs right over to Modric and tells him something. And at that point, Modric starts going higher up the field. He starts to play a little bit more connected to Benzema. He starts to press a little bit higher up the field. And now he's now their balance in their team changed everything. And I thought that was a genius move by Ancelotti, not only with the player selection, but also the formation change to get Modric up higher. His unlocking of the second goal, when Modric picks it up and runs and breaks the lines, he's got Neymar trailing him, he's got three people on him, and plays that ball in the defense behind Rodri. I mean, it's just, to Vinicius, I mean, it's just ridiculous how good Modric was when it was time to turn it on to your point, LME, or to Benji, whoever said it, that they just know how to manage a game in the Champions League, and these players know what they're doing. Now, when JJ's saying that uh, Madrid are old and this isn't their time, it's definitely a bitter PSG fan, so we got to take that with a grain of salt, everybody. But... but when you get Mendy back in the team, you get Cruz and Casemiro, Cruz at 100% and Casemiro back to the team, and you start to get nachos out of there, and, and you're not relying on Asensios per se to go out there and do the to be the difference. I, I think this Madrid team, because of their experience, can go a long way. I don't think they're going to go on and win it. We'll see how the draw plays out for them and how the road to the final looks, but uh, you can't sleep on these guys, and they proved it once again, that even if you defeat yourself, they're going to take advantage of it. Not all teams can do that. I think that the way to win this Champions League and to win anything, really, it's not just about your first 11, right? And when you have Camavinga coming in and delivering to your point and Rodrigo, things can happen. But to that point, before JJ leaves, because we're going to take a break as well, and I know that, uh, Jimmy, you're cut on time as well. And obviously, it's late at night for uh, Benjamin over there. We want to make sure that he gets to sleep. Uh, let's do a quick power rankings, everybody. So another call to action. All right, we had a comment here. Uh, Real Madrid showing that top three favorites to win the whole thing. Wow, I don't know about that. So let's do a, um, I guess let's do the top three and then you can play around after that. Your three to win the whole thing now. Now that PSG are gone, they were my tip to win the whole thing. So I'm going to flip it around. But in our power rankings, they weren't. It still was 
Manchester City. I think I'll go with Liverpool second to that. And I got to go with Bayern Munich third now just because of, uh, I guess, you know, yeah, Salzburg is not exactly a, a great definitor, but, you know, maybe they got their mojo back. So give me your top three, everybody. Call to action. But let's begin with you, James Bench. Top three. Yeah, I mean, I would probably have the same as you, just maybe change around the order. Uh, I think Liverpool first. I think that a lot of people were lulled into the result being done not looking amazing against uh, Inter Milan when the performances were pretty exceptional. Uh, then I'd have City, but, you know, throw a throw a blanket over those two. I can't separate them. Uh, and then Bayern next. I think that there's a little thing of Bayern and Chelsea, then the rest. And I'd You have Chelsea just hovering, trying to penetrate that top three. Is that what you have? Yeah, I would almost have like one and two or one A and one B. Yeah. Three and four is... Like is the Premier League, Bayern. basically. <laughs> Look... I hate to say it, but the Premier League's the best league in the world. No, I don't hate to say it. I agree. I, agree. I'll, I'll jump. I actually agree with Bench. I think Liverpool are, are the, my favorites. I think City, it's hard to read into today's results just because there was nothing really for them to play for. They created more than enough chances to, to win that game. They didn't give up any shots for about the first 60 minutes or something crazy. So so And they have the quality. When they get everybody back, they're going to be there. I think the draw obviously is going to be of the utmost importance for any of this. So Liverpool City, and then I'd go Bayern Munich third. With all due respect to Chelsea, it's just hard to win this competition back to back, and they just don't seem like they're flowing in the same way that they were last season. But Tuchel and one-off competitions, JJ knows the guy knows what he's doing, so you can't count him out. But I, I agree with Bench. Yeah, and to that point, I'm actually going to put Chelsea above Bayern. Uh, I agree with with James Bench. I think it's difficult to separate Liverpool and City. I think you could make a case for either one of them being the favourites. City would be the easy choice given the way that they've just thumped uh, Sporting. But you know, I think that it's definitely for me. You know, City, Liverpool, and Chelsea. Uh, you know, sort of the three out in front. Bayern. I guess we'll have to see how Ajax perform against Benfica. Uh, you know, I wouldn't completely rule them out, uh, you know, given that I think this is the last year for a lot of those stars to, to keep performing at this level. And when you've got a striker as hot as Haller is, uh, you know, you can always go far, especially if you get a favourable draw. But, uh, you know, I think it's hard to see past the four that we've already been discussing. And uh, to Jimmy's point, you know, I think that Tuchel is the right man for Chelsea to have in charge right now. Well, there's a lot of noise away from the pitch. He's very good sheltering his players, keeping them away from that. And it almost plays into this uh, sort of uh, us against them mentality, which really enables Tuchel to, to foster that team spirit that they used to great effect last season when they won the Champions League. Uh, so, you know, we'll see if he can pull it off again. I wouldn't necessarily bet on it because I do think that it will probably be one of Liverpool or City coming out on top. But, uh, you know, there's still a long way to go and we'll see what the draw has in store for us as well as the remaining round of 16 games. Yeah, from the comments, I think uh, they're in agreement with us a little bit. Definitely with Man City and Liverpool, you can alternate there. And then it gets interesting, of course, Chelsea, Bayern Munich. And uh, I wish Jake. I wish one of us had the the John Stones or courage that is to to say Manchester United or something. I knew you were going to say Manchester United <laughs> or Juventus. <laughs> totally going to be Juve. Vlahovic for the world. <laughs> well, you know, we'll, we have enough City talent here as well to probably try and pitch in for Juventus. But you know, we'll make that of what you will. All right. Well, listen. Uh, JJ has to say goodbye to us uh, as we take a break. But JJ, what are you going to do with this e uh, with your time off uh, midweek now? Now that you don't have to go to Park the Prince. Uh, <laughs> Man, you know what? I'm so excited. I might actually be able to enjoy some football for once. And uh, when you've got Villa playing, when you've got Villa playing on a Thursday evening as well, you know that's some uh, fantastic competition for the uh, great tournament, the uh, great competition man. that is 
the Hancock, James Benj's favorite. <laughs> Jesse Marsh is going to make you cry two days in a row now. Hey, be quiet. <laughs> be quiet. Be quiet. All right, Jonathan Johnson, thank you so much. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll try and make the most out of uh, sporting and Man City as well. But we'll also talk about the Europa League as well. Uh, our man, James Benj, had a great interview, by the way, with uh, a certain hammer. And as we have some Thursday action as well, and some final thoughts. So, Kego Lasso, Champions League Wednesday recap. We'll be right back. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost. Everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back, everybody. Champions League Wednesday recap. Jimmy Conrad and James Bench. We still want to know your comments, everybody, specifically about the power rankings. It'll be great to have you. By the way, Kegolazo listeners, we want you to compete with us in a bracket challenge game. I'll be there. Jimmy Conrad will be there. James Bench, I'm sure. Jonathan Johnson will be there. And we want you as well. Join us at cbsports.com forward slash Golasso brackets. And the winner gets a $100 gift card to Paramount+. Mm. Plus. I love it. You're able to watch NCAA tournament games on Paramount Plus. Tons of soccer from the Champions League to CONCACAF, golf majors in the spring, NFL football in the fall, some Keenan and Cal. We're excited for the debut of Halo, which is streaming March 24th exclusively on Paramount Plus. And head to ParamountPlus.com forward slash Halo to try it for free. But back to the brackets. Who enters just one, by the way? You can also create a group to compete against friends and fill out your brackets for the chance to win a trip to the 2023 Final Four. You can play on the CBS Sports app or at cbsports.com forward slash Golasso Brackets. James Bench, how's your college basketball uh, right now? Is it good? <laughs> it's not good. I just do not understand this. Like, we just, you, you can't imagine, if, if you came to the UK, and Luis, you know this, it, this is bizarre. Like, we have the boat race where Oxford... <laughs> go Oxford, uh, race Cambridge, and everyone goes, these weird, posh unis, what nonsense. And like, yeah, you've got, your whole nation is defined by supporting universities you never even went to. It's I'm with you, but anyway, I'll just... I gotta tell you something, it's kind of amazing. It's fun. And, and also, I, by I, the way, <laughs> don't get us in trouble. It is CBS and Paramount Plus content, so we want to make sure we get people going. Well, I just, I, I would listen, really I went like to UCLA, to Bench. Bench, I went to UCLA to support the Bruins. And you'll be done. done. Okay. Done. Done. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but you know what? Let's do one day, one year, the Oxford Cambridge boat race. That would be really oh, fun. I mean, we get that on Paramount. I, like I know. Words. We could do it. Absolutely. Hey, by the way, join us on Colin Calcio tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern. Christine Cooper, Drake Cordero for a chance to win. Also another $100 gift card for Paramount+. Plus. We're giving them away like confetti, baby. I like it. All right, let's do this game. Get it over and done with Man City Sporting. Uh, it was nil-nil. Sinchenko started. Uh, Pep gives uh, Egan Riley his first Champions League start. Scott Carson between the sticks, James Bench. Uh, anything to take away from that? At least Sporting didn't get a, a spanking in this one. Yeah, I mean, great great progress for Sporting considering they've now played um, four games in the, the Champions League round of 16. They lost the first ones uh, to Bayern Munich by an aggregate score of 12-1. So... Yeah, go for go for progress. Um, I'll be honest. I watched the first thirty minutes of this, kind of out of the corner of my eye. That's a lot, actually. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, and then was just like, no, I don't even want to distract myself from from Real Madrid PSG. But uh, the XG numbers look customarily excellent for City. Um, you know, and in that thirty minutes, they had Sporting at arm's length without really putting too much effort into it i'm sure they'll be thinking we've got a pretty tough game against crystal palace coming up so mm. this was as good as they could have wished for i think the thing i was most excited about was that egan riley the 19 year old who started he only had one league cup appearance for city getting the start in the champions league game is that his first name is conrad that was pretty much the most exciting thing that i took away from this game <laughs> is that his first name is my last name and i was really buzzed for him to get the get the start of course raheem sterling I had him to score. He misses sitters. I don't know what I'm thinking, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, there was no urgency. There didn't need to be any urgency from city. I, I actually, from a sporting perspective, it was really important for them. They're in a bad run of form Two two wins out of the last six. Now two wins out of the last seven, but for them to kind of shore up where they had real big issues in leg one, I think it was important for their own team morale. They still have a lot of work to do to just stay threatening in the Portuguese league. They're down 2-1 after leg one of the League Cup in Portugal as well to Porto. They're up 1-0 in that midweek last week, and, and they blew it. They gave up two goals, and so they got a lot of work to do. And I think this could be – I think they just needed a, a performance. They have a young manager, Ruben Amarim. He needed something to, to build off of, and I think 0-0 from their perspective is something they can feel good about. But from City, I mean, yeah, the XG kind of says says it all. They should have scored, and they didn't, and – uh at this point, they're like, whatever, we're the not next round. It's all good. Yeah. Well, we had a good question about Liverpool yesterday. Let's ask it today about Man City. Obviously, Liverpool going for that historic quadruple, but Man City, everybody, here's a call to action for everyone. Man City is still obviously, you know, uh, leading the way in the Premier League. They're in the FA Cup and Champions League. So I'll ask everybody, and then I'll ask these two lovely gentlemen, uh, will they win all three? One, zero, two. What, what are they winning at the end of this season? What do you think, Jimmy Conrad? <laughs> I was hoping you go to Ben Benjamin first. I... <laughs> Um, I, I think they're going to win one and is- I'll say the premier league. I think city will go on to win the premier league at, at a minimum. They're not going to win. Yeah, that's it. I, I think they're just going to win one. And I think it'll be the premier league. They play Southampton in the FA cup, uh, then Chelsea Middlesbrough on the other side, palace, Everton, and then they could win. They could win more than one, <laughs> but I'll say, I'll say one. I, I think they're going to do it in the premier league. I just think, they got the experience, and I think they're going to see it through. It, it just it comes down to the draw. If I knew who they were in the, with in the quarterfinals and kind of see their path to the final, I think that will influence. I know. We're just I having some fun. I know. Yeah. I know it's all hypothetical, but I'll say yeah. one. Yeah. All right. Benj? I'm, 
I will. I kind of. I mean, same as Jimmy. I would certainly say that I'd be pretty confident they'll win the Premier League. I just feel like they're less likely than Liverpool to just have an off day. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like one of the cups, but I w- I wouldn't want to pick it. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, and also, you know, going back to what you talked about yesterday, it's almost like the fate of these two is is a little bit intertwined. Like, mm-hmm. if Liverpool get knocked out of the quarterfinals. They can go to the Champions League. League. I'm yeah. up in my belief that they'll win the Premier League and yeah, yeah. and vice versa because there's a lot of games left to be played and someone's going to have to to fit these in. And I think inevitably when these two are basically, even if they're not playing each other, are slugging it out across such, you know, through every three days, it's almost like they're in competition with each other. Yeah. You know, they, they can't beat each other on three separate fronts I don't think so yeah they determine each other's fates in many ways yeah, just because of everything's going on yeah alright well uh, I'm going for two I'm going for the Premier League I think they're going to hold on and win that and you ready everybody are you ready the Champions League wow yeah yeah <laughs> I mean it wasn't hard because I had PSG to win it all before and now they're gone so I got to go to Man City right. but, so, you, know, so we'll you feel like do you feel like Pep would leave like what? What else would he have to left left to accomplish? Yeah, that's no, a good question because that's the ultimate treasure for for Pep Guardiola to win the Champions League with Manchester City. I don't know how comfortable he is about where does he go after this PSG? Could that happen? By the way, can you imagine that? I, that would be crazy. I think he'd hate it. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I actually think he wouldn't leave. I, yeah, I, he just you just know. I mean, I've going. seen a, a little bit more of him, and I remember speaking to him before the final last season he's really enjoying it i think yeah. it's you know it's there he would never find another club built from the ground for him and yeah he'll go at some stage and it may not be that far off but i just i don't, almost like i don't think the champions league winning it would matter mm. i think he will yeah. but he's a he's an unknowable man isn't he well, you make a good point. I think there's, uh, you know, not since his good days at Barcelona have I seen him so happy in his surroundings, just everything that he has at his disposal. But, you know, like to your point, Pep Guardiola, we'll see what happens. Uh, but we'd love to hear your thoughts. All right, let's quickly go to the Europa League. By the way, there were some matches today. Lyon winning one nothing against Porto. It wasn't all bad for league clubs, uh, league on clubs today. Lyon won. Uh, Real Betis lost 2-1 to Frankfurt. It wasn't good for La Liga clubs uh, in, in this one. Uh, anything to take from that, Jimmy? Did you see any of that? Yeah, I saw a little bit of it. I'll say very quickly that uh, Leon is managed by Peter Bosch, and he actually led Ajax to the Europa League final when Mourinho uh, was leading Manchester United. I, he, I think he's got a good track record in this competition. I think he knows how to get the most out of his teams, and I wasn't surprised that he went to Porto and got a result. I mean, they've got... Paqueta, I know they, they they sold Bruno Guimaraes, uh, obviously a key player for them, to Newcastle. But Paqueta scored. Uh, Musa Dembele up top. They got Ndambele, Toko Akambi. I mean, they got some players. They got some really good players. So if they can just lock it down in the back, and it looks like they obviously did the business there today. Once they get past Porto, and that, that, that's a tough team to try to take down over two legs. Uh, I, I think they're going to do the business in, in leg two. So I was really impressed with them. That was the game I focused on more than Betis Frankfurt. So, Jimmy, I know you got to go soon, so let me quickly just ask you about uh, Thursday, Sevilla against West Ham. And uh, by the way, we'll talk to James in a second because Benjamin interviewed uh, Pablo Fornaz, which was great. You can see it on our uh, Lasso YouTube channel, by the way, so check it out. And obviously Barcelona against Galatasaray. What do you take for that, Jimmy? Yeah, these are a lot of great matchups. Uh, Barcelona, 
want to continue to see how they play with this new look, this new belief in themselves, this new attack with Aubameyang and Traore and Ferran Torres. And it's just awesome. It's awesome to watch. And then Atalanta Bayer Leverkusen could be a goal fest. Excited about that. Yeah, uh, right. You know, Rangers hosting Red Star would be interesting. But Sevilla West Ham, I feel like West Ham got done dirty with this draw. Just absolutely done dirty. I mean, they're, they're into the knockout rounds of the Europa League. Got to be feeling good about themselves. They get the draw and they get Sevilla, who are arguably the favorites to go on to win this. They've won six out of the last 16 Europa League trophies, the finals in their home stadium. It's just like, God, that must suck. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, they, 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 this is what the club wants, right? You want to be bigger. You want to get more money. You want to be in these competitions. And now they just got knocked out of the FA Cup. They just lost a tough one to Liverpool. They're not coming into this with a ton of confidence to go down to Spain and make it happen. So I feel bad a little bit for West Ham, but on their day, then they've been very good in this competition. I wouldn't put it past them to get a result. I don't know about a win, but maybe a draw to take it back to London Stadium. But it should be a great one. I can't wait to watch that one tomorrow. No, absolutely. Well, Jimmy, that's it for you. Uh, thank you so much, buddy. Jimmy Conrad on Twitter and Instagram. Jimmy also will be part of, obviously, the remaining of our week, including weekend preview, weekend recap, et cetera, et cetera. Jimmy, final thoughts before you say goodbye? Anything? No, I just want to give a shout out to Madrid and Kareem Benzema for being an absolute beast and expertly taking all three of those goals. What an absolute legend he is. And just imagine, somebody had a comment there. If Ronaldo hadn't played for Madrid, what would the numbers be like for Benzema yeah. now? It would be really something special. I think we uh, we do underrate him at times for how much, uh, how much talent he does have. All right, guys, I'm done. Thank you so much. Jimmy Conrad, James. thank you, buddy. Take care. Thank you so much. As I mentioned, Jimmy Conrad on Twitter and Instagram. Right there, James Bench. Uh, to wrap everything up, I I'm very intrigued about this uh, interview with Pablo Fornas. Please talk to me. What, what, how are they feeling about this game? To Jimmy's point, Sevilla is going to be a tough draw. But, you know, David Moyes' side has always proven to be really resilient. That I Really, they missed a few sitters against Liverpool. I really think they could have taken a few things out of that one. Uh, what did he say? How are they feeling about this game uh, against Sevilla? Yeah, I mean, just what you were saying. I, I, one of the questions I asked Pablo, because he, he'd come away from that, that uh, Liverpool game saying, God, we're so proud of the way we played and we really gave one of the best teams in Europe a good go. And I said, well, what happens if you do that against Sevilla? He goes, I don't think there are many teams in Europe in the world that can beat us if we play like that. Um, Pablo Fernandes, I have to say, fantastic interview. Um, I really enjoyed my chat with him. Um, 20, 20 odd minutes, you can see it on our on our YouTube channel. And I think there is a real confidence and belief in this squad. I know that they've been hit hard by results of late. Yes, there was going out to Southampton in the FA Cup and, and losing that tough one at Anfield. But that's the sort of game, when you play that well against one of the best teams in the world, you come away from that feeling confident. And they've beaten Wolves. They've done really well in this competition. And I think, in a way, maybe it sort of suits them to be the spoilers a little bit. Big thing will be, is Declan Rice fit? If Declan Rice is fit, I don't I, I don't see any reason why they can't go there and get a good result without him and Jared Bowen, who we know is out. It's tough. Like, it's definitely not beyond this group of players. There's so much quality in, in both teams, but in West Ham as well. But, like add rice to this team and i'm really really excited for the game yeah how how long is uh is uh, jared bowen out for not long he might be back for the second leg which okay. is kind of another reason why you just think can we can we go to this stadium it's such a tough place to go especially in, in europe can we go there and just survive you know just, just stay in pump, the tight yeah. like madrid did against mm. psg just yeah. hold on just hold firm and uh and see what happens. I think they're in with a real chance. And then I think whichever team comes out of this tie, you put them right up with Leipzig with, let's say it's Barcelona, you put them in the favourites category. 
Yeah, absolutely. So any West Ham fans, how are you feeling? Let us know. Uh, do you think this can happen? And also very quickly, James, before we move on to Barcelona for a second, you know, West Ham are, you know, sixth right now in the Premier League. Uh, we know what's going on with United right now. Can they do this, uh, James Bench? Can they get a Champions League spot, do you think? I think this is the best chance right now. They've played so many games. Uh, I They would never admit it, but I think they kind of know that top four, I mean, no one thought they would get it anyway, but I think they know it's probably going to be just about beyond them this season. So it kind of heightens the the desire and heightens the the priority for this competition. And it means a lot to the fans. It means a lot to the players. The London Stadium, everyone knows, not always the most atmospheric of grounds, but on European nights so far, it's been really special and it hasn't hosted a team like Sevilla yet. Um, and, you know, there's no fear. This is... I think there's a real desire and you've seen it. Every, I've been at every one of their games so far. Well, actually, mm. maybe I wasn't at the last one. It was a bit of a, a non-event, the home one. Um, and they keep harking back to the 1965 Cup Winners' Cup final where the players that would go on to win the World Cup helped West Ham win their only European trophy. And I think they know how rare these opportunities are and they know what place they would hold in West Ham's history. It's been 42 years since they won a trophy. Um they know how much this could mean to them. So in many ways, it's almost the, the diametric opposite of Sevilla who are just used to it. And I wonder which will, will carry more weight uh, tomorrow and, and next week. Yeah, it should be interesting. Right, very quickly on Barcelona and Galatasaray. Galatasaray traveling to camp now. They've never won there. I think their best result was a draw. I think it was two all. I want to say 2001. I'm checking. Yes, the 2001-2002 season. So, uh, you know, to Jimmy's point, uh, Xavi, I think they've only lost twice uh, mm. together. You know, ha they're, surely they're the favourites in this tournament now. Oh, overwhelming favourites. And um, Galatasaray are 12th in the Super League. This is, could be, this is Damn. at the moment, this is their worst ever season. That is low. Turkish League. Equally, you know, that means you come into it and you, you treat this as a complete free hit. They know Barcelona really well. Dominic Torrent, their new manager, plays Fatih Terim. Uh, Coach NYCFC, yeah, yeah, yep, and, yep. and obviously Pep Guardiola's former assistant. Um, yep. Then you also have uh, in, uh, their goalkeeper that they brought in in uh, Iñaki Pena. He uh, he's just on loan from Barcelona. He he will be able to play, but also be able to advise them. So maybe all that helps. Um, maybe you get to the camp now. You come away with again maybe a draw or a, a, a defeat by a one goal margin, and then you get them back in in Istanbul and, and we know how tough it is playing away to Turkish teams. That's the, the ideal, but uh, yeah, you're coming up against Abamyang, Dembele, Zapai, uh, Ferran Torres. Adama Traore. It's just too much. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is a lot. So the hope is to keep it tight for Galatasaray, but I think all way you see it, a Barcelona win. And yes, there's Norris, all Turkish giants are woeful this mm. season right then that's it that's our show the only call to action i have is the one that we have left which is 100 dollars paramount plus gift card up for grabs on calling calcio tomorrow at 3 p.m eastern i'll be here uh christine cooper will be joining me andre cordero will be talking all things italian football maybe it'll be a, a donnarumma apology tour all right we'll see about that but james bench thank you so much buddy any final thoughts from you as we say goodbye um, yeah, I feel like now I can finally admit there's been so enough distance. Isn't Luca Modric just the best? I know he used to play for Tottenham, but God, I love this guy. He's so good. So good. Luca Modric, like a fine wine, as somebody uh, commented in yeah. our 
in our comments. And so are you, James Benjamin. Thank you so much for being part of the show. James Benjamin on Twitter, of course, follow all his content on CBS Sports and CBS Sports HQ. I'm LME, LME Chagaray on Twitter as well. We got much more to come, including Colin Calcio, Weekend Preview, Weekend Recap, and so much more. Have a great, great rest of your evening, and we will see you next time. Till then. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.